in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. We will continue our Bible study from Psalm 68, starting from verse 19. Psalm 68, start from verse 19. Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits, the God of our salvation. Selah. In previous verses, actually, in verse 18, David prophesied about the ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, verse 18 was caught by St. Paul in Ephesians chapter 4. In Ephesians chapter 4. You have ascended on high. You have led captivity captive. Those who were taken captive by Satan in Hades, God took them to the paradise of Job. You have received gifts among men. Actually, St. Paul changed the word received to give. You have given gifts among men. Both have the same meaning. Because God, when he ascended, he sent us the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And when he gave us the Holy Spirit, we become or we became his inheritance. So he received us as gifts. And actually in the fraction of the resurrection, we say, you offered the people as gift to God the Father. Even from the rebellious. So like the Gentiles who were rebellious before Christ, who were pagan and worshipping idols. But with the new covenant and the gift of the Holy Spirit were sent even to the Gentiles who were rebellious. So these rebellious people became the children of God, became his inheritance, that the Lord might dwell there. The Lord might dwell among the Jews and among the Gentiles. He reconciled the Jews and the Gentiles. So, having described the ascension of Christ to the kingdom of heaven in verse 18, he gives thanks to God in verse 19 by saying, Blessed be the Lord who daily, which means every day, loads us with blessing or with benefits. So, David here, he said, God will not only give us gift after the ascension of Jesus Christ and he sent the Holy Spirit but every day every day he loads us he loads us with benefits daily every day he is the God of our salvation so we bless God every day because he blesses us every day and overwhelms us with his goodness. He will bless us every day. He will not desert us on our daily journey until we shall have come to the day of eternity. So we are thus promised daily constant protection from God while we are here on earth in our pilgrimage. God is the only author 
of our present here on earth and eternal salvation. God is the only author of our present salvation and eternal salvation. Then verse 19 ends with Silah. Silah, as explained before, is a musical pause to contemplate and meditate on the meaning of the verse or to enforce the thought with which the verse begins. So it's a time to contemplate how God loads us with benefits every day, how he is God of our salvation in the present time and in eternity, how he is blessed every day. So Selah here is a pause to reflect to meditate, to contemplate on this verse. Verse 10, our God is the God of salvation, and to God the Lord belong escapes from death. So God can actually make escape for us from death. So the God whom we worship is the God from whom salvation comes and who brings salvation to us. So it is not in vain that we serve him, for he is the only being who can save us and he will save us. Even in the extremity of danger and threat, when death seems inevitable, he can prepare means of deliverance. That's why he said, to God the Lord belong escapes from death as he did with Daniel when he was in the lion's den as he did with the three young men when they were in the furnace of fire so and also God alone can help us to escape everlasting death not here on earth but even everlasting death in in the feast of resurrection we chant this song in which we say God abolished the death God will deliver all his people from death because he has the keys of hell and death in his hand verse 11 but God will wound the head of his enemies the hair scalp of the one who still goes on in his trespasses. So after he mentioned how God will save his faithful people, now he is telling us how God will deal with his enemies, those who remained unbeliever and refused to be subjected to him. God assuredly will destroy them, wounding them where a wound is fatal. Wound the head is complete destruction. In, in Arabic is clearer. Not only wound them, but completely destroy. God will humble their pride when he shall condemn them to hell to be punished with everlasting torments. And in describing the victory of God, David used the image from Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, 
when God said to Eve that the offspring of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. So God promised that the Messiah would strike a fatal head wound against Satan. And Christ crushed Satan's power and authority, demolished his empire, and eternally destroyed him with the fire prepared for him and his angels. Then, what did he mean by saying, the hairy scalp of the one who still goes on in his trespasses? If you remember, Absalom, the son of David, he was known by his long hair. Even in, in his death, he was hung by his hair in a tree. And most probably David composed this song when God gave him victory over his enemies. So many commentators said the hairy scalp of the one who still goes on in his trespasses, he is referring to Absalom, his son. So the one who still goes in his trespasses means the one who persists in his wickedness. And the hairy scalp, some say it points almost certainly to Absalom, but others say hairy scalp is a type of pride and arrogance. But even those who goes on in their trespasses, if they repent, God would be merciful to them. But if they persist in their sins, they will be punished. Verse 22, the Lord said, I will bring back from Bashan, I will bring them back from the depth of the sea. As we explained in the first part of the psalm, Bashan was a huge mountain with many peaks. And Bashan, this mountain was, in, in this psalm, he said he was envious of Mount Zion that God chose to be his dwelling place. As we read in verse 16, why do you fume with envy? you mountains of many peaks and mountains of many peaks was the mountain of Bashan as we read in, in verse 15 a mountain of many peaks is the mountain of Bashan this is the mountain about Zion which God desires to dwell in yes the Lord will dwell in it forever like how people are were envious of Saint Mary why God chose Mary this poor uh, young girl, why God chose her to be his mother? As we say in the hymns of the church, many women received honors, but you, St. Mary, exceeded above all of them. So here in verse 22, the Lord said, I will bring back from Bashan, I will bring them back from the depth of the sea. So the commentator said, whom the Lord would bring from Bashan. And there are two opinions here, but both of them can complement one another. Some commentators believed that David talks here in verse 22 about God's enemies. So if they want to hide in Bashan, or if they want to hide even in the depths of the sea, God will bring them. 
even from the depths of the sea, like Pharaoh and his chariots, or from Bashan. So God confirms the sentence pronounced on the destruction of the wicked. Though his enemies fly to Bashan and hide in its woods, or even hide themselves in the depth of the sea, God will search them out and bring them back, that punishment may be taken on them. So, he is saying, even if his enemies try to escape, they will not be able. Neither the heights of Bashan nor the depth of the great sea can shelter the enemies from the eyes of God. We have an echo to this meaning in Amos chapter 9, verse 2 and 3. We read, Though they dig into hell, from there my hand shall take them. Though they climb up to heaven, from there I will bring them down. And though they hide themselves on the top of Carmel, from there I will search and take them. Though they hide from my side at the bottom of the sea, from there I will command the serpent and it shall bite them. But other commentator believes that David talks here about God's people, not the enemies of God. Which means God would deliver his people and save them from all sorts of danger. God in his care for his people and for their salvation will bring them back. Even if they are in far places like Bashan or where it would seem impossible to, to deliver them like the depth of the sea. But God promised to ransom his people out of the hands of those who were stronger than them. He will deliver them from the power of darkness into his own kingdom and save them from all the bulls of Bashan, as we read in Psalm 22, Verse 12, many bulls have surrounded me, strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. Bulls of Bashan represent the enemies of God. Even from the depth of the sea, even out of the most wretched and desperate condition. So, as God brought the children of Israel through the Red Sea, out of its depth he made a dry land. Also, some people interpreted this verse that the Lord is gathering his people in effectual calling from the east and from the west. From the east signified by Bashan and from the west signified by the depth of the sea. As we read in Isaiah 43, verse 5, Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your descendants from the east and gather you from the west. Verse 23, That your foot may crush them, the enemies of God, in blood, and the tongues of your dogs may have their portion from your enemies. 
So God will turn the wicked from their enjoyment and pleasure to their final destruction. And such will be the bloodshed of the enemy. So the victory will be total with God's people, walking as winners over the field of battle, as he said that your foot may crush them in blood. He trampled them underfoot and soaks the ground in their blood. So the defeat of the enemies will be so overwhelming that even the dogs will lick their blood. They will lick it up as the story we read in 1 Kings chapter 21 verse 19 about Jezebel. The dogs licked the blood of Jezebel who actually gave a wicked counsel to her husband Ahab to take the field of Naboot. So the Lord defeats these enemies to liberate his people with this victory being compared to the defeat of the gods of Egypt in, during the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt as we read in Exodus chapter 7 to chapter 10. Verse 24, They have seen your procession, O God, the procession of my God, my King, into the sanctuary. Which procession? It is the procession of the Ark of Covenant when it returned to Jerusalem. So this portray what used to happen whenever they came with the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem after their conquest in battle. So David was full of joy, seeing the procession of victory under the leadership of God himself. And because the Ark of Covenant represents the presence of God among his people and his leadership of them. The warm and genuine triumphal procession which celebrated the victories achieved by God have been witnessed by multitude. That's why he said, they have seen your procession, this procession of victory, after they returned from throwing their enemies. David emphasized this, that this great God, so glorious, is his God. So, this great God, whom you have seen, the procession, is my God. They have seen your procession, O God, the procession of my God. So he is saying, this God is my God, my King, the procession into the sanctuary. So they have seen how God saved his people and destroyed his enemies. Having related Christ's victory and triumph over his enemies, he now, David, in a prophetic way, informs us that they who witnessed such wonders began to announce and spread the good news of salvation to the whole world with great joy. They have seen your procession, O God. Many witnessed what Christ did, his battles and his victories and his resurrection. Into the sanctuary. Sanctuary can be heaven or the church. Uh, and it can apply to both. So Christ 
being visibly present in the one in, in heaven and in the other he is present through faith because Christ who is God over all he is the Lord and King that's why in this psalm as I said before this psalm is a messianic psalm so Christ here is the intention or the, the theme of this psalm and his victory now in verse 25 he is describing the procession he said the singers went before the ark of covenant the players on instruments followed after among them were the maidens playing timbrels so he's describing the procession so on either side of the procession singers and musicians playing upon the instrument while girls beating their, their timbrels uh, as they danced joyce, joyfully among them so the scene recalls the thanksgiving by the red sea when Miriam, as we say in the first verse, Exodus chapter 15, took the timbrel in her hand, and all the women went out after her with timbrels and with dances. The word singers in the Septuagint version came as princes. And St. Augustine said, who are these singers or princes? These are the apostles who precede the congregation, leading the congregation. They are singing joyful good news of salvation, playing on the musical instrument of good works. So he said their good works were like musical instrument to praise and glorify God. Verse 26, Bless God in the congregations, the Lord from the fountain of Israel. Most probably, verse 26, bless God in the congregations, the Lord from the fountain of Israel. This was part from the processional hymn. David exhorted them to acknowledge God as the true God and praise Him. The appeal is to the Hebrew people, the lineal descendant of Jacob, to unite in praising God. David also foreseeing the future joy of the congregation of the church, the Gentiles. That's why he is exhorting them to bless God. But who is the fountain of Israel? He said, from the fountain of Israel. The congregation from the fountain of Israel. The congregation that came from the fountain of Israel. Again, the Arabic is more clearer. Israel. So, those, who are those who came out from the fountain of Israel? He, he said, you came out from the fountain of Israel to remind them of the privileges of their ancestry. Some consider the fountain of Israel the temple. Others said it is Jacob, the patriarch, who is regarded as the fountainhead from which the nation of Israel is derived. But the fountain of Israel is the Lord himself. 
because he is the source of his people life without God we would be under sentence of death so and those who came from the fountain Israel are everybody the Gentiles and the Jews in verse 27 he mentioned four tribes there is little Benjamin their leader the princes of Judah and their company the princes of Zebulun and the princes of Naphtali why these four tribes of course the 12 tribes participated in the procession so what about little Benjamin little because this tribe is the tribe of Benjamin the youngest of the sons of Jacob or maybe because the tribe of Benjamin was among the smallest tribes of Israel so why he said Benjamin their leader so Benjamin may owe its position to the fact that it gave the nation of Israel its first king, first leader, King Saul the second tribe is Judah Judah was a large and powerful tribe the tribe of kings David and it would naturally appear great as the tribe of David only four tribes are mentioned not because no more than four tribes took part in the procession but these four tribes are representative of the twelve tribes he selected these four tribes because they lived in the two ex uh, extreme ends of the land extreme north and extreme south we know Zabulon and Naphtali in the northern part Galilee and Judah and Benjamin of the southern part Bethlehem and Jerusalem so these four tribes by general consent of the fathers means the apostles so all the church, early church father said the four tribes are symbols of the apostles Benjamin is named first Benjamin is a symbol of Saint Paul because Saint Paul was from the tribe of Benjamin and he was the last apostle to be called like Benjamin the youngest son and was little in his own eyes uh, less than the least of all the apostles as he said about himself but he labored more than the rest of the apostles in preaching and praising the victories of Christ so he was united with the singers in the third heaven when he ascended to the third heaven as he didn't know whether he was in flesh in body or outside the body the princes of Judah are the apostles who belong to that, that tribe and are called the brethren of Christ like his cousins like James and Simon Jesus cousins and the other apostles included in the princes of Zebulun and Naphtali as I told you from Galilee so these are the apostles from Galilee like Peter, Andrew, James, John, Philip, Matthew 
who were from Bethsaida or Capernaum and the neighboring towns that belonged to Zebulun and Naphtali, as it mentioned in Matthew chapter 4, verse 13. Verse 28, Your God has commanded your strength. Strengthen, O God, what you have done for us. So, the psalmist here addresses Israel. In his time as a nation, in our time, the spiritual Israel, which are the Christian. He provides a summary statement of the past experiences. In the past time, God has given Israel strength. Therefore, Israel can now pray with confidence for the renewal and the continuance of his support. You have, you God, your God has commanded your strength in the past. Now I am praying in confidence, strength, O God, what you have done for us. As you strengthened us in the past, continue in strengthening us. In the past time, God has given Israel strength. Now they are praying for the renewal of his support. David was grateful for the wonderful victory, but also knew that many challenges were still ahead. That's why he is praying for strength in the future. He prayed that God would increase the strength thus manifested and let it be still greater. Verse 29, because of your temple at Jerusalem, kings will bring presents to you. Because of your temple at Jerusalem, kings will bring presents or gifts to you. So, at the time of David, the temple was not built yet. But in a prophetical way, David, after described the victory of Christ, and consequent joy of the apostle, asked God that the power so exercised by him in defeating and crushing his enemies and in establishing the church may be exercised in the future in protecting and preserving his work. And as I told you, David did not see the temple, but the temple of God is prophesied here as becoming a marvel to all people. And when it changed from the tabernacle of David to the temple of Solomon, it was so magnificent. Its structure was so impressive and wonderful that the queen of Seba, far off, came with her gifts. Because of your temple at Jerusalem, kings like the queen of South will bring presents to you. And many neighboring kings and princes, impressed by the wealth and power in the temple, came with tribute to God of Israel. Spiritually speaking, it is not the material temple, but the Messiah, of which he is the builder, the foundation and cornerstone, the church of God. He is the foundation of the church of God, he is the cornerstone of the Church of God. He is the builder of the Church of God. And King will bring presents to you, means the Gentile nations who will come in faith to become members in the Church of God 
and present gifts to God like the great King Constantine and others in the earlier age of Christianity, how they brought their riches and wealth to Christ into his church. Verse 30, rebuke the beasts of the reeds, the herd of bulls with the calves of the peoples, till everyone submits himself with pieces of silver. Scatter the peoples who delight in war. In verse 30, now David directing his prayer against the enemies of the church who seek to disturb the peace of the church. And the most terrifying enemies of the people of God represented here by wild beasts. And he is praying to God that God restrain them and bring them to be subdued and would be made to show their submission by bringing gifts, pieces of silver with tribute. So when he said, rebuke the beasts of the reeds, these are the enemies of the church. The herd of bulls, again the enemies of the church, with the calves of the people, again the enemies of the church, till everyone submits himself to God. And as a sign of this submission, they will bring pieces of silver as tribute presented to God. Scatter the people who delight in war. Those who delight in warring and attacking us, scatter them. So the idea correspond with that in previous verse. In previous verse, kings will bring presents. Now these enemies, submit them to you, so they will come with pieces of silver. But he used here the bulls, the herd of bulls, and the calves of people. So, what the bulls represent and what the calves represent. Because bulls are strong, calves are weak. So, bulls and calves, symbol of strong and weak. Strong are the princes, weak are the common people. So the princes or the kings that attack the church or the common people attacking the church, both of them rebuke. That's why after the calves he said of the people. So the herd of bulls represent heathen powers. Calves of the people, hear the people comparable to calves of their weakness and foolishness. These are the common people under the influence of kings and leaders and princes of the earth. St. Augustine says, calling them bulls because of the pride of a stiff and untamed neck, for he is referring to heretics here. So the bulls here are the heretics. But the calves of the people, these souls that are easily led astray, astray. So, these people, they are easily follow these heretics because they are weak, they are not enlightened, they, they don't have understanding. And he said, scatter the people, 
rebuke these various worldly powers that delight in war by scattering them. Verse 31 Envoys will come out of Egypt. Ethiopia will quickly stretch out her hands to God. Verse 31 is a prophecy of the conversion of the Gentile. And he chose Egypt and Ethiopia to represent all the Gentiles. Why Egypt? Because Egypt was one of the most prominent of the foreign nations at that time. And the gospel was preached to Egypt by St. Mark the Evangelist. And why Ethiopia? So Ethiopia stretching out her hand, he alludes to the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8, who was one of the first among the Gentiles who received the gospel. So princes shall come and acknowledge the true God. He was a minister to the queen of Ethiopia, Candace. So the idea here that distinguished men of foreign nations, the ruler and princes of the world, would come and submit themselves to God and be united with his people, the people of God. And the expression quickly stretch out their hand denotes the eagerness or haste with which it would be done. Siubia stretched out her hands to God also is a gesture of submission or in supplication in prayer with gifts of worship and respect. St. Augustine sees in Egypt and Ethiopia reference to the Gentiles as whole, from which will come the ambassadors of Christ to preach the joyful word of the gospel. So he said, from Egypt and Ethiopia, evangelists will come and preach the good news of salvation to the whole world and to hasten to stretch out their hands to God proclaiming their faith in words. So stretching hands mean my faith is expressed in work. Stretching hand symbolizes work. Verse 32 Now David is concluding this psalm. In verse 32 he said Sing to God, you kingdoms of the earth, not only Israel, but all kingdoms of earth. Oh, sing praises to the Lord, Selah. So in conclusion, David is calling the nation of the earth to praise God, the sovereign ruler over all. God's procession of power and majesty, so beautifully described in this psalm, is sufficient reason for all the nations to praise the Lord. And David proceeds to prophesy the conversion of the Gentiles to Christianity, because he said all nations of the earth, all the worldly powers having submitted to Christ and the church can be called upon to join in the praise of God. Sing in faith, acknowledging God as the true God, sing his praises, not only in words, but also in good works. And as I explained, Silah again is a musical pause for contemplation. 
the end of verse 32. 33, sing praises to whom? To him, to God, who rise on the heaven of heavens, which were of old. God rides on heaven of heavens, and this heaven of heavens are of old. Indeed, he sends out his voice, a mighty voice. Heaven is represented as a special dwelling place of God, where his throne is. The word right on heaven of heaven, the act of sitting on them on a throne. Heaven of heavens were created from the beginning of the time. That's why he said of old. And were created by the Son who incarnated and became the Lord Jesus Christ. As we read in Psalm 102, the heavens are the work of your hands. And St. Paul repeated this in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 10. And Jesus, after his ascension, sits on the highest heaven. So David meant to convey that Christ our God, after his ascension to heaven, he became higher and more elevated than the heaven itself. That's why he is sitting on the heaven of heavens, sitting thereon as a man would on a horse or a chariot, as a king upon his throne. And the word rides appears here as victorious, he moves with majesty and glory. And the heaven of heavens which were of old, meaning from the very beginning of the world in which God dwelt, but God actually is eternal. God exists long before he created the heavens. He's eternal, no beginning and no end to him. Then he said, God sent his voice a voice that's heard and obeyed in every part of creation. And his voice, a mighty voice, the thunder is called the voice of God, as we read in Psalm 29, verse 3. Jesus, who appeared so humble, as we read about him in Isaiah 53, he opened not his mouth, he was led as a lamb to slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearer is silent. This very humble Jesus, now he is sitting on heaven of heavens and will shortly send out his voice, a mighty voice which shall come to pass. As we read in John chapter 5, the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. So with his voice, every single person from Adam to the end of the ages will hear his voice and will rise from the dead. So now Jesus who was silent as a sheep before its shearers, now he has a powerful voice. And this powerful voice will be obeyed without the slightest effort at resistance. And the power of that voice on the last day, in one moment, bring together the living and raise up the ashes of all the dead from the beginning of the world, from the time of Adam. 
also it will be a voice of power will pronounce to the wicked depart from me you curse it into everlasting fire and announce to the righteous come you blessed of my father inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world God's voice is his word the gospel of Christ that was preached by the apostles through the help of the Holy Spirit it is the mighty voice the word of God is mighty it gives such great and wonderful effects as here it's mentioned it converted the word of God converted kings and kingdoms of the earth then in verse 34 ascribe strength to God his excellence is over Israel and his strength is in the clouds so the nation would only benefit if they recognize God and surrender to his strength he is asking them see his excellence over Israel how he ruled over Israel he is asking to acknowledge by the tribute of their praises the power of God which he exercises in the world look at his excellence in his people either the historical Israel or the new Israel the Christian reflect on his majesty his glory his protecting care which was manifested particularly in protecting his people then he said and his strength is in the clouds clouds or heaven point also to the dwelling of God church and heaven church and heaven so the clouds point to God's two dwelling places one is church and the other is in heaven St. Augustine says the clouds are the apostles St. Augustine says for not alone he shall come to judgment but with the elders of his people because Christ said to the twelve you will be seated on thrones twelve thrones and you will judge the twelve tribe of Israel so St. Augustine is saying God has promised the apostles that they shall sit upon the thrones to judge who even judge, judge the angels as St. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 so these the apostles are the clouds the last verse of the psalm verse 35 O God you are more awesome than your holy places the God of Israel is he who gives strength and power to his people blessed be God so David thought of the land of Israel as God's holy place belonging to him in a special way but he understands that God is greater than any holy place because he is the creator so he is greater than any holy place whether it is land or a mountain or a temple 
God can protect his people and equip them with his strength. He can sustain them in the trials of life. The God whom they acknowledge as their God is not one whose strength fails or who is seen to be powerless when his help is needed. No, their trust in him is never in vain. With great justice, all should bless that God whose mercy, justice, power, and wisdom so wonderfully appear in so many mysteries. That's why the psalm is concluded. Blessed be God, blessed be God. So concluded with an attribution of blessing to the Messiah, who is God, blessed forevermore, and who as our mediator is the promised seed, the seed that God promised, seed from the offspring of the woman that crushed the head of the serpent, in whom all nations were to be blessed. This concludes Psalm 68 from the book of Psalms. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.